now serving butter and bacon. The good stuff. Well, the, the thing, we actually have a question. Uh, Nickway Mania, who is now incognito, uh, wanted to ask uh, how we feel about paying for virtual text message stickers. And I hashtag ask butter bacon. I have no idea what he's talking about. Uh, I think that's an iPhone thing. I don't pay for virtual stickers, so I have no t- idea what he's talking about. <laughs> you, ever, you ever pay for JPEGs of uh, Star Wars? No, cards? I don't know what that is. He's talking about that either. <laughs> Uh, I well, I I think it's probably if it hasn't been blatantly stated, it's pretty evident. I am not an iPhone. No, user. you're not. Um, but fine. I I did learn on the three o'clock parade. Uh, Skipper Dick Ritchie had talked about creating stickers. Yes. And so I was. I'm assuming that this topic uh, dovetails into Apple must or other companies must have ones that you can purchase to share. Well, yeah, I mean, likely you can create your own. Yeah, I mean, I can imagine. Well, I know that you can create your own because uh, Skipper Dick Ritchie. Um, has created some for the Ask Sour Bonerverse um, on that show. But uh, I would imagine, you know, I'm not saying that Disney is doing this, because, again, I don't know. But if you wanted to have branded stickers like Iron Man or something like that, um, I think you probably should pay for them. But that's my opinion, and I'm not going to use them anyway, so I don't care. No, but... uh... If I did have a sticker and it said, you are the best, I'd give it to our current guests. Yes! Welcome. Hi. Welcome to Butter and Bacon, where we continue to talk about the good stuff of Disney. And this week, we continue our conversation with Imagineer extraordinaire Tom Morris, um, who last week regaled us with the tale of the creation of the Imagination Pavilion. And this week, we talk about some of his current projects after talking about development of another iconic project, but why don't we let him tell you about it? Oh, by the way, sorry for the microphone noise. Completely my fault. Won't happen again, except in this episode. Uh, what did um, you? What was your next project? And was it a letdown? <laughs> oh well. So I went back to California and. I believe I continued to work with Tony on proposals for, I think the next thing was Tomorrowland, um, uh, some upgrades for Tomorrowland, and then as you... At Disneyland? Also, there were some post-opening, so after I came back, there were some things we added into the ride. Um, Also, I can't remember what those were. We also added them to ImageWorks, so there were just some kind of basic um, show elements that um, that we that we added to make the ride make more sense um, or to make things more clear. Um, so there was like a field trip or a, a business trip uh, that I took probably mid end of 83 to get that all kind of finished up. So come 84, I'm working on I think Tomorrowland ideas, which some of which I have come across in my files. And then the company got in that serious takeover um, scenario, and people were being laid off also, uh, post that. So I was just kind of trying to hang on to my job. But I was making so little money at the time. I don't think I was ever in. At that time, I was in, uh, you know, in danger of being let go because I was probably considered a bargain. Um, 
I wasn't making much more than I would have if I had stayed at Disneyland operating rides <laughs> at the time. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then, let's see. Uh, so then I went to Disneyland. That's right. I went to Disneyland and I worked out of the SQS office there for a while because I was already living down in Orange County. And um, so now I, my commute wasn't so bad. I was, I think I did that for a year. And so I, this is where you actually do trash can design and churro wagon design. Love it, <laughs> love it, love it, love it. Yeah. Because quite honestly, when, when I'm designing like what I want, the ultimate backyard, my pool, like I, I take pictures of everything, landscaping ideas everywhere I go. I do look at theme park design for where I want to put trash cans and stuff like that. My wife thinks I'm nuts. And these are all important principles that you, yes, they are. That you uh, begin to pick up and notice in the world. So um, I worked on, oh, I did uh, money changing machines because we had our first money changing machines in the park. I, I did one themed to Frontierland. And I designed the first themed churro carts because churros had just come in <laughs> and they were a huge hit. And Foods was just buying these, you know, carts off the rack kind of initially um just to test the rack that you're designing (laughs) well um it was just a test i think and it just was so successful and so suddenly we needed five churro carts in the park and so i did the first themed ones Uh, they're not there anymore because they were designed so quickly and you know they weren't designed to last for more than 10 years at the time Uh, but i did one for tomorrowland i did one for new orleans square and Main Street and Fantasyland and I think Adventureland that we didn't use, but uh, it seemed like there were five of them. And um, so that was kind of interesting looking back. You know, I remember thinking, how long is this show thing going to last? Is it really going <laughs> to <laughs> Do we really need to, you know, do this? So, yes, we did. Um, now, at the same time, we were starting to talk to George Lucas about um, you know a deal with Star Wars and doing something Star Wars so I was helping Tony design a Star Wars coaster a Star Wars themed thrill ride I should say happened to be using the coaster technology but not perceived as a coaster and it was an indoor attraction that would have been over the uh, where the Utopia and above the um, submarine caverns and so I worked on that for a little while and worked, you know, again, was working on these Tomorrowland ideas that always seem to be off and on <clears throat> all the time. And, um, and then Nunes, Dick Nunes was pushing, rather than Tomorrowland, he was pushing for a log ride. He had always been wanting to, to do a log ride um, somewhere in Frontierland. And... Um, he kept pushing Tony, come on, Tony, you know, we got to do this log ride. We have to do a log ride that's better than the one at Knott's. And I have the biggest smile on my face right now, so <laughs> sorry. <laughs> and um, so Tony asked me to help him configure a log ride, which is another thing I had never done before. Um, and so before so I... have to work with water. <laughs> now they work with water, which is a different, you know, gravity water, I should say. So it's, it's cascading water. Not like pirates or small world where it's flat. So, um, but before we before we brought on the expertise of a of a log ride consultant, we just needed to figure out where it was going to go. Is it even feasible or not? And it didn't seem like like where could you put it? 
Um, and so I think there were maybe plans to put it north of bear country. I'm not positive, but that would have meant ripping out a lot of trees and a lot of berm work and, um, it just wasn't practical. So I looked at putting it behind the tr train station in New Orleans Square between the Pirate Show building and the Haunted Mansion Show building. And you would take a staircase on one side of the train station, you take kind of a grand staircase up, and then another one, there's already a tunnel under that train station um, that was originally intended to be an, a point of access to something beyond that um, the railroad tracks. So, but unfortunately, there were there are these big utilities back there now. These um, ch they're called chiller plants. <laughs> they, they chill water and they heat and chill water, I guess. So, it would have been really costly to either relocate those or to deck over those. But I did a couple of plans, and they estimated them, and it was too expensive. And so then the project was about to be shut off because there's just no place to put a log ride without they had just put you know country bear jamboree in there not too much earlier than that so i guess it was a choice of well you could take out country bear jamboree and you could put it in there but um they didn't want to do that because it's just just replacing capacity for capacity instead of adding something so i took one last stab at a location which no one thought would work and I even I didn't really think it would work but just for fun I I um I think I had the all the metrics from the log ride at Knott's Berry Farm I had the plans for for that ride and so I had the turning radiuses and the inclines and declines and runouts and so I just you know those were the starting points and so I laid out a ride that could fit on the berm between the Haunted Mansion and um, Bear Country and I remember Tony going, there's no way that's going to fit. <laughs> Let me try. And I remember him saying, like, the runout has to go all the way out into the river. You know, that's going to be ridiculous. And I backed it up just enough where it didn't have to go out into the middle of the river. It just kind of, you know, touches the riverbanks. And, Which, but then side said, note, that would be a really interesting attraction design. Yeah. To have the, the log go out into a river like that. Well, it, you know, it kind of does. You know, it kind of does. It, it's, I think more so in Florida, it goes out into the middle yes, of yes. the rivers of America. Um, so that seemed like a weird thing. And then also it had to go under the railroad track and over the railroad track. And that was a lot of digging. And so I thought, oh, this is, and now it's getting expensive again. But it didn't have the utilities that needed to be replaced like the other site did. And it also offered the bonus of allowing people to train to look into the attraction, into the finale. And so, Overall, we, we found out a way to get a nice long, you know, nine or ten minute long attraction with the world's highest at the time and steepest drop. And at the time, it was going to be called the Zippity Doodah River Run. And it wasn't, you know, Splash is not a movie that had come out yet. And, um, and I think Tony had already been thinking, though, about, you know, using the figures from America Sings and doing it based on Song of the South without calling it Song of the South anything, but using the great music and the great characters from that film. 
And so they estimated it and figured out that uh, it just barely kind of, you know, came in at what they had an appetite for. And so that's where we placed it. And it was, it's pretty much the ride layout that um, I worked on initially. I remember that we did take a, a Joe Rohde-esque field trip, although it wasn't to an exotic country. It was to Bush Gardens in Tampa. I only log ride that had a dip drop on it, down and up. Bruce Gordon and I flew out there to ride that um, to ride that log ride to to determine whether it was worth it to include that as an element or not. And uh, we determined that it was. It was a lot of fun. And once we kind of got beyond the blue sky phase, then we actually engaged the services of um, a log ride <laughs> engineering specialist whose name was Don Newfarmer, who had worked at Aero Development and designed the first log rides for Aero Development. So he did the one, I think the first one was at Six Flags over Texas. And the second one was the one that we know at Knott's Berry Farm. Um, you know, to be a very uh, good attraction because it's long. It's like five or six minutes long and it has a lot of show around it. So that's why we used all the metrics from that. So now we were using the services of the guy who actually designed that. And I sat next to him for several weeks um, doing revisions on the ride layout and he was providing, you know, data basically to me. We were both kind of in parallel um, designing um, what the right, what the real ride track would be in that given space. And I, that's where I learned a little bit about, you know, there are very kind of particular things about water, um, water rides, you know, gravity rides that if you don't know, you could, you know, just do the wrong thing and, and design something that's impossible. So it was really good having him on board and, uh, I forgot about him for years, and then in researching some history on Pirates of the Caribbean, I came across his name on old memos on Pirates of the Caribbean because he he um, helped lay that out. He 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 helped with the water dynamics of it. Mm. He did he did the engineering for the down ramps and the up ramps and the you know determining what the radiuses could be and um, how many jets, how many of the water jets you need. So we had the guy, and he, he passed on his knowledge to uh, a guy named uh, Mark Sumner, who works for us now. Mark worked for him when he worked at Arrow, I guess. And so Mark kind of picked up all of, the, all of those um, specifics of water engineering, and now he's Disney's top uh, water guy. We, we don't need to go outside anymore. We have Mark. <laughs> so that on the contract. <laughs> And um, I think, you know, off and on, I was continuing to, you know, Tomorrowland was always off on, off on. And so I was, you know, still kind of um, working on that. But I, our relationship with Lucas was getting more um, serious. By now we had, um, Michael Eisner had come on board, uh, had determined that um, the log ride should be called Splash and was ready to go ahead and move forward with some kind of a Star Wars um, relationship, some kind of a Star Wars attraction. And um, so I started working with Tony on that, as well as on an India early, early plans for an Indiana Jones attraction in that same location, mm -hmm. same, same challenge of how do you, where do you put it and how do you get to it? 
and same challenge of everyone saying that's crazy you can't there's no way you can get people between the jungle cruise and the pirates of the caribbean out to that remote um location <laughs> yeah well, yeah, that's, that's my initial well, thought is uh, if you had problems trying to fit splash mountain in where are you going to fit indiana jones <laughs> yeah there was talk at some point of displacing some of the jungle cruise which i didn't want to do because i love the jungle cruise and i didn't want to make the jungle cruise any shorter so um i figured out a way where you know you basically there's a 20 foot swath um which is enough you know for people to get in and get out in between pirates and you know you could wiggle it in between pirates and jungle cruise and then and then i um i didn't follow through on that i just kind of opened up the idea and kind of showed how it could be done and then i think i was on to star tours from there um for a while and i designed the facade of um that south tomorrowland building um that star tours went in that included the character shop so that's where i came okay. up with the neon mickeys and um and re- basically reskinning that entire um building from from the character shop or star traders all the way around to the plaza inn <laughs> That's really neat. So that was so, so that was the first kind of um architecture, I guess, if you could call it. Um it was it was all facade work, but that was the first facade work that I had really worked on. And um I remember we had to cover up the Mary Blair murals. <laughs> we tried oh. to say, um we estimated the cost of removing that whole wall intact. Um that's the only way you could do it is to lift the whole wall out and it you know way Yeah, that's yeah. not something you can cut up and no. no. Well, you could. It was a really really high price and then where do you put it now? I, today it might be more feasible because you'd probably have a taker for it. Um mm. and you would pay for its removal. <laughs> yeah, either, you know, you could either be repurposed for something in a place where it could be appreciated. or donated or auctioned off um to at least offset but back then it was like who would take this you know there's Mary wasn't as in um in vogue or as well known as she is now and right, right. um there just wasn't any interest i think we may have like talked to some hospitals and no one was interested in taking it so we just drilled over it or we we um built lateral supports basically through the building and it was interesting there was one moment in the construction of that where um you could see basically the archaeology of Tomorrowland from the 1950 you know the 55 structure which is painted green so all of the steel in that from 1955 is green and then the steel from 1967 was orange um and and now there's like um new steel going in from 1987 and they recently redid it and added more stuff there would have been you know different steel so there's all sorts of kind of layers and it's interesting i have photos somewhere of it in that stage where you can kind of see the different layers of um archaeology the 55 67 and 87 all together uh, those murals are still behind um the new murals the Mary Blair tiles are still there but they're damaged in places where we had to put lateral supports through yeah so yeah. probably um i don't know 10% of the tiles are 
not there because of those um, lateral supports. But they're there. <laughs> archaeology. Theme park Theme archaeology. Park. So are there any of the current projects that are currently in the news that people are talking about, either Pandora or Star Wars Land or Toy Story Land that you've been involved with? Um, no, not. Um, not that not, you can tell us? <laughs> no, I have not worked on any of those. I've worked on other projects, but not, not those. I'm usually working on projects that are kind of you know, out there long term. Uh, last big project um, that you saw was Cars Land, and then I worked on the D23 Expos. Um, those, that, those have actually come to fruition, and then I'm working on a lot of historical, internal um, kind of uh, educational, if you will, or what's the word? You know, trying enrichment um, mm -hmm. for um, future Imagineers. Well, that's fantastic. We're all about the future, but we don't want to forget the past and how we got there and some of the simple kinds of um, rules of thumb and uh, tricks of the trade that um, can make things just as exciting, but maybe, you know, a little less expensive or make them even more exciting for the same price. Well, that's so, that truly is the good stuff. It is. It's, you know, and I've, I've been meeting a lot with um, Bob Gurr and um, uh, getting a lot of good, you know, history lessons from Bob. So more to come on all of that. Well, that's fantastic. Well, I hope I hope you enjoyed talking with us and our guests. And uh, if you do spare a moment, we'd like to talk to you again sometime. Happy to do it again. Maybe maybe we do it in a few weeks or you know a couple months. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, and congratulations on your retirement. Thank you very much. This has been The Good Stuff. Thank you for listening to Butter and Bacon. For personalized trip planning services and expertise, please contact Becca via email at Becca at AdventuresOutdoorTravel.com, on Twitter at AIOT Travel, or visit our website, AdventuresOutdoorTravel.com, where you can get more information, read our blog, subscribe to our newsletter, and request a quote. Let them know Butter and Bacon sent you. You can follow Butter and Bacon on Twitter at Butter and Bacon, on Instagram as Butter and Bacon Podcast, and please contact us via email at butterandbaconpodcast at gmail.com. To get the good stuff delivered hot and fresh, please subscribe to Butter and Bacon in your podcast app of choice. Yeah, you invented Photoshop, basically. I invented Photoshop. Me and Al, <laughs> between us, we invented the internet. <laughs> so Tom Morris, the recently retired. Tom Not Morris. yet. No, being retired. Well, when the show comes out, it will be. Yes. <laughs> and being retired, that's the good stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, that's not true. We'll probably drop the show in the second. I think he said his last day is the third. That's correct. So podcast that has 11 episodes right and what i also and you know <laughs> stop it Actually, no it was the number nine episode we have more than nine <laughs> offerings oh offerings we have 19 offerings yes we do see
And some and of 90, ninety-seven downloads are some of them are ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> some of them are recorded and not released. No, I, isn't that the best though? Isn't that a great oh, feeling? Dean, I know about you. This was this was an honor and a privilege to talk to you. Ab- absolutely, thank you so much for your time. Happy to do it. Glad you enjoyed it. All right, great. Thank you so much. All right, bye bye. Bye. Take care. Dean, you got a moment? Yeah. You want to stop recording? Yeah. <laughs> Did you record? I'm hoping. Oh my god, we had the crappiest um, quality of yeah, sound that whole yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, I heard it. And just for your listening pleasure. How do you do? Pleased to meet you. Fine, how are you? Nice seeing you. How you come on? How to do? Pretty good show as you're born. Pretty good show as you're born. Pretty good show as you're born.
Wonderful feeling, wonderful day. 